Well, good morning, Watermark Wesleyan family, and what a great privilege to worship with you this morning. I pray the Spirit of God has filled your soul. As we dive into our teaching, pizza and wings. I know we've gotten a lot of you uh, with more calories this week as you've been encouraged to just live with the kind of the familiar in that way. Well, what we're doing right now in the middle of this series is just looking at some familiar passages because we're all longing for some forms of familiarity. And really, in some ways, nothing is more familiar than having a party and celebrating a party. And that's what we're doing today. Did you know our church is nearly 2,000 years old? That's right. The bigger capital C church, the Church of Jesus Christ, is celebrating its birthday today. And that's a great familiarity and and joy. And, And so you have to have, especially in western New York, Pizza and wings, that's what you do in the midst of a party. And you open presents and you celebrate together. You know, I, now I understand familiarity and birthday parties, it's not the same. Some of you have had to celebrate your birthday in a Zoom call. Uh, boring, it seems. Or some of you have had that drive-by honking, which has been fun and celebratory. It's not totally familiar, but it's still a party and it's still celebrating. Some of you I've seen as we've come by our McKinley campus, I've noticed some people with their cars in a circle and their balloons sticking out of their cars. And so we're finding ways to still find some forms of familiarity. So today what I I wanted to do was just take us into one of the most, probably the most familiar passage on the early church to see our church as a baby, as an infant, and to remember and celebrate this monumental day of Pentecost as we look at Acts chapter 2. And then we'll go back and look at some other parts around that to see the birthday story of our church. And listen to this, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, maybe by Zoom call, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's so beautiful. I mean, that is the church alive. That is our DNA. I mean, did you notice what they did? I mean, they started with, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the sermon. Let me just pause there and enjoy this moment. (laughs) They longed for the sermon. They longed for fellowship. They longed to pray together. 
We've been doing that during these past 21 days as a church leading up to Pentecost, to this birthday celebration. And around western New York, we've gathered with many, many churches as we've been fasting and praying for 21 days leading up to today. Because the birth of the church, there's never a bigger time and need for the church than right now in our society. As we're watching the, in many ways, really the communities around us falling apart at the seams with racial tension and with George Floyd's death, the tension that people feel right now, the church needs to rise up. And we've found that and as we pray together and as we come together in unity. And I love how it says they shared all things. They had all things in common. And I especially love that it says, and they found favor with not just people in their community. It says they found favor with all people, period. The church is truly what people are longing for, connectedness with the vessel through whom God wants to connect this world together. And so if there's ever a time for us to rise up and be the example of Jesus Christ to the world, it's now. And so let's celebrate today the birth of the church and look at what that really means. Because the question you may have is, okay, how did they do that? I mean, they were under great persecution. They were living during a time that was just as complex as the time we're living in right now. And yet they found a way to be completely alive. Well, how did they get that? How did the church? Let's go back to our DNA roots. And so what I want to do is take us back to chapter 1 and really look at Acts chapter 1 and 2 here. And as I read this, I want to share with you how the church in many ways was so influential in its culture and has been in every generation up to today. I think we're going to learn a lot about our DNA and who we are as a people of God as we follow Jesus Christ in unity, regardless of what denomination or what church we're a part of as we follow Jesus Christ. So I said before, this is Pentecost. Pentecost is actually an Old Testament festival. It was a celebration of 50, Penta, 50 days after Passover. It was also known as the Feast of Weeks. It was the first harvest. It was when you start to enjoy strawberries. You start to enjoy some of the fruits of the springtime. And so the Jewish folk would come together and have this great celebration 50 days after Passover. Isn't this fascinating? After Passover, what was Passover? It was God taking people in bondage and setting them free. So it's amazing to me that the birth of the church happened on a day of party in which we were celebrating the first fruits of being set free. 50 days removed from this Passover where God came and redeemed his people and set them free from Egypt. The story that was told for generation after generation, really century after century. And so I want to take you into this day of Pentecost and celebration and what happened. And so I'm going to take you back to Acts chapter 1 and just read a few verses for you and give you some context of how the church was able to be so unified and so present in its community that all people found favor with the early church, which leads us to how I want us to have favor with all people. Uh, we'll get to that as we start here in Acts chapter 1. I'm going to just start at verse 3. After Jesus' suffering, Jesus presented himself 
to them, the disciples and some other followers, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Okay, let, let me pause there. We'll go to verse 7 in just a second. But do you get what just happened here? So Jesus has risen from the dead. He has now started to appear and show himself to people. And they're saying, wait a minute, he is alive. I heard rumors, but now they're actually able to touch him, see the scars. Jesus is alive. And over 40 days, over 500 people witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ, giving proof to the fact of all the prophecies that came before Jesus and all the things Jesus said. But this is where it's just a crazy story. So Jesus says to them, I want to give you a gift. He's preparing us for the birthday of the church, the movement of God through a people. Just like he used the Jews in the Old Testament, he used the Hebrew people moving into the Jews. Now here we are as a Christian people. He says, I want to give you this present. And Jesus actually does something that I've been tempted to do many times. When you have a gift that you can't wait to give to people on a birthday, it's like he opens the present and he just rips it open and he says, it's the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you a gift. And it's the whole, he, he like gives it away. It's an incredible, it's so funny. But here's what's fascinating to me. The disciples' reaction, they don't get excited because at this point, they don't necessarily understand the deep, profound impact of the Holy Spirit coming into, the, into, the, into them and into this world. So they say, uh, uh, Jesus, um, are, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? They go back to old patterns. You see, from their mindset, all they've seen in the history of their people and the stories they've heard about their great-great-great-great-grandparents and their ancestors going far back. We've been hearing about the Egyptians and the horrible Assyrians and the nasty Babylon spirit and the Babylonians who came in and took us into captivity for 70 years. And all we've known is oppression and pain and suffering. And then the Persians. And now the Romans have this power over us. All they could see is can we get out of lockdown? Can we get out of this quarantine that we have felt? You've promised us, God, that you want to redeem this world. You promised us that you're going to bring life and abundance. And they're still thinking for our nation. Will you redeem Israel? I mean, I imagine Jesus as he's saying, I'm going to give you a gift of the Holy Spirit and you're going to be filled with power. Your world's never going to be the same again. And, and they say, uh, are we going to finally win the war? And Jesus, I, I don't know how he doesn't roll his eyes. I don't know how he doesn't say, what are you guys doing? I'm so tired of you. I've been teaching you about this. I've been talking about the Holy Spirit in so many different forms. 
don't you get it? No, they didn't. Because all they could see was the quarantine feel that they, that they had for generations. All they could see was, can we finally have some relief in the physical world? And Jesus said, I want to go to the root. I want to give you that which will set you free spiritually, emotionally, relationally, physically. I want to set you free forever. But Jesus, in grace-filled fashion, does not in any way condemn them. I would have. <laughs> I would have been. I'm sick of you guys. But his grace far exceeds my, my human grace. Verse 7, Jesus responds to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority. So he says, okay, redemption is coming. But verse 8, but you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Jesus just lays it out so clearly for them. You are going to be forever healed. This gift I'm about to give you is loaded with life. Receive the Holy Spirit. And they still, there's this, I don't understand it, but they're about to. You see, he's going to give them power to be set free from addiction, from all that bondage. That's why it's so beautiful. Pentecost is a, is a day where the birth, the birth of the church happens. It's a story of redemption from 50 days from Passover. It's God saying, I am here to set you free. Some of you are captive by fear right now. Some of you are captive by jealousy. You're looking at how the world is happening. Some of you are captive by so much hatred. God says, I'm here to set you free in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to then be my witnesses everywhere. The world is going to be changed because of your witness through the Spirit of God flowing through you how beautiful is that? Those were the very last words Jesus spoke before he went back into heaven. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses throughout the entire world. He says those words and then he goes to heaven and it, he physically is taken, it says, into the clouds. And it's fascinating because the disciples are standing around and they're just staring up and they're watching and they're so excited and they're like, wait a minute, he's really gone. And, and they're standing there just watching and, and then they're standing so long an angel has to come and interrupt saying, time out guys, did you hear what the man said? Go back to Jerusalem and wait. For in a few days the Holy Spirit, you're going to receive the birthday gift. Go. They had to be told by this angel, and, and I can only imagine what that must have felt like as they are filled with curiosity, wonder, awe, like, what just happened? What just happened to us? Where did Jesus go? What is, is everything he'd been saying? I, we didn't understand, we didn't have a clue. No, they didn't have a clue because they didn't yet have the gift of God, the Holy Spirit. Let, let me show you why that's so very significant. 
I'm going to move ahead to chapter 2 of Acts. And we'll look at the day of Pentecost. When the day, uh, verse 1 of chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The birth of the church. The sound of a violent wind comes rushing through. I've often wondered, why the wind? What's going on with that? And why a violent wind? And uh, the only best answer I can come up with in my spirit is, is the violent wind is God's way of just getting their attention, saying everything's about to change. Like God is the perfect teacher. You remember illustrations like that and this wind of this power. But wind is so significant in the story of God because in Genesis, in the very beginning, you see the, the hovering of the Spirit of God like a wind at creation. And then when Jesus later says, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, he breathes on the disciples, showing them this wind and this breath of the very name of God we've argued and talked about before is in many ways the consonants of Yahweh are yod hey va hey all breathing sounds it's the breath of God and so we have this wind that flows into the place where they are and the spirit of God shows up and rests upon them life will never be the same again for them definitely never the same again for us either for the birth of this world through the, the church, the birth of the church in this world has forever, well, been marked. It's the birth. It's the moment. This is why this is so important. Do you realize that in history, before this moment happened, only a handful of people, out of billions of people that walked the earth throughout history, only a handful ever had the ability to hear the voice of God, to connect with intimately with their God. They had to go through a priest. They had to go through a sacrificial system. It was always distant because God is holy and we are not. And unholy people, as Pastor Trevor said in the beginning of our service today, sin mars us and separates us from God. And we have now this separation. But every once in a while, God found somebody who was holy and he would put a protection of an anointing upon them and the Holy Spirit would fill them. Now Jesus was saying, that's for anyone who is born into my kingdom. You'll never be the same again. Imagine what this was like. To hear the voice of God for the very first time. The intimacy, the richness. Uh, this example of a little boy for the very first time hearing his dad's voice may be just a glimpse of the reaction of what the disciples may have felt and seen that day. Check this out. 
There are so many first moments to remember with children, their first step, their first word, but tonight a different kind of first, a little boy about to hear his dad's voice for the first time. This is the moment so many people are talking about. Grayson Clamp, three years old, he had never heard his father before. Talk to him, Daddy. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. <laughs> Grayson points his Daddy finger there, hearing sound for the first time ever. Can you hear Daddy? Hear. Daddy loves you. <laughs> Gorgeous view. Gorgeous moment of a little boy just hearing the love of his father. I wonder, I, I just wonder if this is, that's just scratching the surface of what these incredible witnesses, the first witnesses of the birth of the church, were able to experience. As it says, each of them were able to now speak in their own native tongue, their original birth line and lineage. That'd be like me. I'm from England, so this would be like me being able to speak English finally. <laughs> but, but they had birth lines of maybe out of Assyria, out of Babylon, out of Egypt, out of Persia. You have all these potential different bloodlines in the midst now and the tongues of fire coming down showing that when fire touches you, you're never the same again. It's a symbol of life and vitality and power and they're filled with the ability to now speak in a language, and this is what's beautiful, of unity. The, when the world was marred because of sin, the world started to fall apart at the seams. And what you had is the sense of evil coming against God, and God had a time of Tower of Babel where he separated their languages because they were building their own ability to be their own God. And now you have God through the Holy Spirit bringing unity back taking all of these seams that have been ripped apart in this world and he's sewing things back together through the unity of the Holy Spirit. And Peter starts to preach in Acts chapter 2 and we see him preach with an incredible boldness. He says, 800 years ago, a man by the name of Joel had a prophecy and he said that sons and daughters are going to prophesy in the name of God one day. 800 years ago, this was prophesied and now it's happening your young men are going to dream dreams. Your old men are going to have visions. You're going to see all of these great things happen. And it's happening in our midst. And then he went on to talk to the people around the community and he said, we are a corrupt generation. Sin has marred us and we're falling apart. But through the Holy Spirit of God, there is going to bring life and vitality if you will receive the Lord Jesus Christ. And he preached with boldness. This man who just a month and a half earlier denied Jesus Christ in a, a fit of timidity, could not handle the pressure. Now this man filled with an incredible boldness. Why? Because he was filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit from God. And he was never the same again. That is why we celebrate today. That is what it means to be a part of the church. You're a part of a movement of people that can now hear the voice of God. Don't take this for granted. If we were born 2,000 years ago or before, you would be incapable of being able to hear the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Don't take this gift for granted. You have been given this gift of the, when you become a Christ follower, he fills you with a spirit and he gives you power and he gives you a witness and a testimony and he gives us 
Listen to all the different things the scriptures teach are given by the Holy Spirit. We are given unity. We are given courage, the ability to be able to face any of the the challenges that come against us. We are given a counselor who is able to guide your steps. The Holy Spirit fills us with love, the ability to take someone who you have a complete opposite of opinion with and to have a deep Christ-centered love for them. The Holy Spirit gives you healing, gives you, well, resurrection power. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, Christ's follower. Do you understand the gift that we've been given? I think so often we just, just plug our ears and we try to live on our own strength and we live in our own fears when all the while God says, I, I gave you a gift. You're going to be baptized in the Spirit. You're going to be changed. You're going to be brought to life. Now live that way, child of God. Live that way. And so you have this life-giving opportunity. So the question that you may have is, okay, How? How do I get, how, how, do I, how do I tap into the power of the Holy Spirit? If we've been given this at the birth of the church, and that means this is a birthright for a Christ follower. He fills you with the Spirit. How does this happen? How do you get that? I want to make the claim that why I've seen a lot of Christians powerless is because we're not filled to the infilling of the Spirit. Because here's my claim. Whatever fills you changes you. And I want to make the claim that a lot of times I've seen Christ followers let themselves be filled with anything but the life-giving spirit, the unity, the power, the love of the Holy Spirit. I'll give you a couple examples. In, in Luke chapter 4, we see a bunch of people who were mad at Jesus And it literally says in Luke chapter 4, they were filled with anger. What did they try to do? Right after they heard Jesus preach the sermon about freedom, it says they were filled with anger. What happened after they were filled with anger? They went and tried to push Jesus off the cliff. In Acts chapter 13, we see all of these people that are filled with jealousy at Paul and at Barnabas. They're loaded with jealousy. It says, literally, filled with jealousy. What did they try to do? They hurled insults. They started to punch and kick and go after them, throwing stones at them. They tried to hurt and punish Paul and Barnabas. Why? Because whatever fills you changes you. So let me ask you, what's filling you right now? This is why I've seen the church powerless at times. Because we get filled with fear. We get filled with addiction. We get filled with greed. We get filled with jealousy, rage, revenge. We get filled with all of this humanity and flesh rises up. But listen to how it's worded as you look at Paul's teaching later in Ephesians 5. Listen to how he says it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. How do you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you may ask? He goes on. As 
you sing song, psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Among yourselves, singing and making melody to the Lord in your hearts, giving thanks to God the Father at all times and for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you, do you see what was just said there? That word filling is the exact same word used at Pentecost. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were able to speak with boldness. They were able to witness and testify. They were filled. They were, they were changed because they were filled with the Spirit of God. So what we just see here in Ephesians 5 is we should be filled. But notice what it says here. Be filled is actually a passive verb that Paul uses. Be filled, meaning you can't fill yourself up. God fills you up. And here's what's even cooler. In the Greek, it says, it shows grammatically, it's a continual present, which means this. Be filled now. Be filled at 1 o'clock today. Be filled at 7 o'clock today. Tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Be filled continually. How? Well, four times he uses the word song or singing. As you sing psalms. As you sing spiritual hymns. Some of you, as you watch this on demand, just skip right over the music and you go right to the teaching. And you wonder, huh, man, that's good. I got engaged, but you didn't get changed. Why? Is it possible that you didn't take some time to let the Spirit of God just fill you? Yesterday we were having some tension in the home and probably you were having the same thing where it's just like, ah, it's not, it wasn't really as bad as we've had other tense moments, but it just was icky. Christine just went on and got Alexa to just start playing praise music. And for a few hours, we just had praise music playing in the home. And there, I got to tell you, it just changes you. And it says, as you give thanks. You see, you focus on whatever is lovely and pure and righteous and good. We talked about this a few weeks ago as we've been studying together. Whatever you focus on, let them be things of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the power of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's fruit of the Spirit. That's, that's evidence of what comes out of you. It's incredible when you think on things of God. Lord, I'm just going to sing praises to you. I'm going to live in the presence of who you are. As you are filled, life is brought to you through the Holy Spirit. That's what Acts, Acts chapter 2, one of the most familiar passages of the early church, is all about. They were devoted to learning the things of God. They were being filled, given, focused on these things, given thanks, and, and God then filled them. I'm convinced at the same measure you surrender your life is the same measure by which the Holy Spirit fills you to overflowing. But if you try to control and hold on to all of your life and say, I'm in control and I want to do it my way and I want to fix it my way and I'm going to punch my way through this, God says, okay. But when you empty yourself and say, Lord, I, I just need you, I surrender. That's why Jesus said, die to yourself before you follow me because you'll never understand how to live in the power of the Holy Spirit until you do because this world is desperate for the power of the Holy Spirit. It's desperate for the church being filled with the power of God, being filled with the love of Jesus Christ, with the testimony that we would have favor with all people. As we're watching the, the reaction to all of the pain and the, the tension right now, it's a, a sense of a hopelessness for so many people. 
Well, that's our perfect opportunity to rise up and say, Holy Spirit, fill me. I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to focus on your power. You're the one who has helped us work through the navigation of the Babylonian struggle and Egyptian struggle and all the times in which Rome was overpowering us. Here we are. We've got coronavirus. We've got race relations. We've got all this tension and all this pain. And we grieve over what we see on TV as we watch brutality. And we think, oh my goodness, there's tension if you celebrate any kind of police officer. One police officer ruins it for others. I'm like, my father-in-law who just passed away as a police officer, I'm going to defend them. But at the same time, this is wrong. Wow, who speaks into this? We do. Because we've been filled with the Spirit of God who helps us to translate this world, to bring all of this hatred that is breaking us apart and bringing us together, to bring love, to bring testimony, to bring life that only comes from our God. That's why we celebrate. That's why Jesus was so excited to say, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because that's the only way we're going to find power and healing in these moments. It's the only way we're going to have hope in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic. Life. It's amazing. It only comes from God. And so I want to just challenge you. What have you been filled with? You're filling yourself with just all the things of the world and you're just watching so much news. You're just grumpy about everything. And it's been so frustrating because now we have people, I've been getting so many, I've been getting so many emails of First Amendment rights and so we got to gather as a church and so many people on the other side, Tenth Amendment rights, we got a state's rights and so Cuomo and Trump and all this tension and how do we do this? Well, we're going to rise above it and we're going to keep saying, Lord, Holy Spirit, you're, you're the one who's going to give us counsel and wisdom. And so the council of elders and leaders around our church, we're making wise decisions and we're going to open when it's wise. But I want to use and talk about that word open because so many people say, when do we reopen? Well, here's the deal. We never closed. And in some ways, you want to find a silver lining. Let's think on things that are great. Let's be thankful. In some ways, here's the silver lining to coronavirus. The church has finally left the building. We're not trapped and confined by a building anymore. And we have more opportunity to be the church alive in the Holy Spirit than ever before. We have ways to engage with people and connect in ways that we never have before. We'll never be the same again. And I hope the tongues of fire rest upon your heart in Pentecost today. And you get a sense of when fire touches you, you're never the same again. And you come alive in this and you now can be a testimony of Jesus Christ. You can be a, a lover of people's souls. You can bring life and vitality. So I want to just pray over this and ask for God's wisdom and God's grace and God's love to flow through us as we bring divides and we bring people together in the midst of the divide and we, we bring a sense of hope and healing. So as I pray over us right now, I pray that you're filled, that you open the gift that God offers you of the Holy Spirit and receive his amazing grace. If you're not a Jesus follower, today's the day for you. Repent of your sin and follow Jesus Christ with your life. Period. Do that. He will give you the Holy Spirit. And then continually present. Lord, I'm just going to think on things with you, of you. I'm going to sing songs to you. I'm going to praise your name. And I'm going to be filled. Let's pray. Lord, as we uh, right now just thank you for the birth of the church. I pray for power. I pray for strength and vitality and love to flow through us like never before. 
I thank you for your amazing grace, Lord, that you have given us an opportunity to get to a day like today where we can speak life into brokenness, where we can speak hope into hopelessness, vitality and a sense of just future direction of your Spirit's guidance right now in this place by your Holy Spirit's power. And so I lift before you, each one of us, that our families, our homes, our lives, our very souls are filled with your Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, for our church. I thank you for the incredible love that I sense from, from each one of us as we are together apart. As the church has left the building, God, help us to be the church more now than ever before. And I thank you, God, for the incredible gift of your Holy Spirit and the life that you call us to this very moment, continual present, right here, right now. In Jesus' name, amen.